Good morning. We are in our second week back in the building, and we know everyone can't be there just as yet. We are expecting a few more than we did the week before, but we just hope that you're having a great Sunday, and we look forward to you being back here with us very, very soon. We move straight into our text this morning, into Genesis chapter 4. I encourage you to go ahead and get out your Bible, turn over to Genesis uh, chapter 4. So what's been happening so far is the creator of the universe has generously given humans everything that they need. He wanted to make them rulers in God's image to live in this seventh day rest, but they had a choice. They could eat of the life tree, the eternal life tree of God, and live in God's presence and and learn to rule with God as he continues to teach humans what is good. Or they could choose the good and bad knowledge tree and just take it for themselves without God. And we know what happened. We've been talking about this over the last few weeks. And yet, even though they are cast out of the garden, we see this divine promise of grace that's right here in the garden, where, where this God talks about this seed of woman that will rise up and will crush the head of the seed of the serpent. So here we are in Genesis 4. It's the first time we see life outside of the garden. And you see from the slide that I'm putting up that there is a close parallel. There's lots of connections, hyperlinks from chapter 4 to chapter 3. We're supposed to see this because these narratives are intended to be pondered. They're supposed to be rolled around and we're supposed to wrestle with them because they're to shape us. Because we too, while we're awaiting the new Eden to come down, and and while we're awaiting that ultimate seventh day rest, we are living still outside of the garden. And it brings up a very important question that we here ask and stated, really, maybe more than anything else in our culture, and it's this. Is God holding out on me? Is God holding out on me? So we go to chapter 4. Let's read the first five verses. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep. And Cain, a worker of the ground, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of the flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. So we stop right here. And we see this is just one of the big questions that are asked. I mean, why is God favoring Abel over Cain? Isn't he the older brother? 
And I think this is a question that a lot of people have asked over the years. In fact, I know I've been contacted about what happened here. Why is Cain not given the same kind of respect and favor as his brother? And we dealt with that, Peyton and I, on our podcast this week called The Bible Pill. At least it's a portion of what we dealt with more in depth. But it does make you wonder, why? Why is his offering not favored as to Abel's? You know, is he not the older son? And we see something similar that happened in Genesis chapter 3 with the serpent. The serpent has Eve thinking, you know, maybe God is holding out on me. You know, this tree is good to eat. It is good for good and and to know good and bad. I, I'm not going to die as soon as I eat of this tree. Is God holding out on me? You ever feel like maybe God has been been showing favor to someone else over yourself. You ever felt that tension before? You know what I mean. It may be, you know, a sibling that you have and you all, you feel like they get all the breaks. You know, they're the ones who, uh, you know, they have the better job. They have the nicer house. Even their spouse and kids are better. Or maybe you wonder, why can't I make the kind of grades that other people make in school? You know, I study harder than this person over here, and, and they act like they don't study at all. It just doesn't seem fair. Why do they get to drive a nicer car? Why are they more athletic? Why can they pick up an instrument and play it much more naturally than I can? And I really want to know how to play. Or why do they get all the promotions? Why do they make more money in a company that I have been in longer than they have? We're, we're supposed to feel this tension. Why is my brother favored when I have been laboring, pulling on this cursed ground in order to produce the fruit of the ground? And, and yet he just sits around and watches flocks. And I'm the older Feel this tension. Understand those moments that you feel this way in your life when you say it's not fair. You know what I mean? It seems that God is favoring someone else over myself because it's important because we come to this next point, which is this, the beast within. The beast within. Listen to what happens in verses six and seven. It says, the Lord God said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Listen to that language. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So Cain's emotions have gotten the best of him. God knows this. He comes to him and he says, listen, Cain, right now in this emotion, this tension that you're feeling, you have a choice. You can choose to be ruled by the beast within. Sin is like an animal that's crouching at the door, ready to destroy you and others. Or you can trust me. You can choose 
to rule over the beast that is within you, which is also living in the image of God and what that means according to Genesis 1 and in verse 26. Folks, it's the same animal that we see in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1 when it's first introduced. Remember what it says, Genesis 3 verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Isn't that interesting? The serpent is called a beast of the field. The idea in Genesis chapter 4 is that either you rule over this beast within or it will rule over you. Sin rules over me when I want to define what is good and what is bad. So what happens? Verse 4, verse 8 rather. Cain spoke to Abel his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. The curse of death in Genesis chapter 3 has taken its first victim in the most violent of ways. In the garden, the snake is the beast of the field. Isn't that what he says? But here in Genesis 4, life outside the garden, it is Cain who is the beast in the field who has slaughtered his innocent prey. If we do not rule over our feelings of anger resentment, dejection, we become animals that pounces on its prey. Many remember the standoff and the eventual destruction of the Branch Davidians uh, out in Waco, Texas. And and if you've ever read up on it and you've read... um, you know, from eyewitness reports of people who are on both sides, one of the government and one who is inside, you you were really troubled by some of the things and the actions of the government at that particular time. Not to say that everything they did was wrong. But for Timothy McVeigh, he allowed those feelings to smolder within. And it led to the Oklahoma City bombing. 168 people died. 19 of those were children. Many of you have heard the horrifying stories of Jeffrey Epstein. He was a a pedophile, a sex trafficker. He blackmailed. How would you describe a person like this if you've read any of the reports other than he's an animal? And now his partner in crime has been arrested, Miss Maxwell. And she actually, she actually helped to, um, to entice minors. She helped him in this sex trafficking. And I've heard her described recently, which she has taken offense to, as a slithering snake. I think that's a pretty good description. A wild beast. I am a proponent of people being allowed to protest peacefully for a cause, especially when an individual has and who had authority acted in in an animalistic way. I'm all for justice and, and for equality. 
But then riots, you watch these. It's, it's animalistic in what's going on. And not only attacking and destroying businesses of the innocent, but also even innocent law enforcement officers. In the social media world, there is a term. They're called Karens or Kins. And these are people who feel like, um, you know, they didn't get their own way. And they just lash out in these tirades. I mean, it's just this wild kind of thing. And, and the things that they, they go wild about is just, it's, it's craziness. Because someone said to them they need to wear a mask. Or someone who attacked someone who wasn't wearing a mask. I saw one where one woman, I mean, she went ballistic in a bookstore that didn't have a book that she wanted. Or racists calling out black people who are swimming in a hotel pool that they are staying in and yet call the police on them and, and just go irate. Or telling ethnic people they need to go back to their own country, even though they were born right here in this country. And they mimic animals. They roar, they scream, they pace, they slap, they hit, they claw, they threaten, they call names. Maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they felt like they have been wronged. But they had a choice to do good or to give in to the sinful animal that is within. It's interesting how James describes the tongue of humanity as this wild, vicious animal in James chapter 3. He says it's, it's untamed. You can't ever let it out of its cage. It has to always be ruled. The beast crouches at the door of the rich and the powerful. They can be tempted to use the privileges they have to corrupt, or they can use them for good. And, and those who allow their inner beast to come out with these privileges, Psalm 49 in verse, uh, 49 in verse 12 says, they harm people as if they are beasts. And if we're honest, if I'm per perfectly honest with you, I've let the beast within me get the best of me. I've mentioned before, I've had a terrible temper growing up. It's something that I still have to watch after and maintain in my own life or the beast within will come out, I promise you. There are times when my wife will tell me, you got to stop watching the news. You got to stop listening to this. You got to, because there's this thing, this smoldering inside of me. These narratives are showing us that when we no longer want to live in the image of God and we want to be God, that we become less than human. Paul described those who oppose the gospel as, as beasts in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and verse 32. He called the Cretans who were immoral these these uh, evil beasts in Titus chapter 1 and verse 11. Peter calls false teachers irrational animals in the book of 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12. And Jesus 
speaking of the beasts within, of false teachers, he says, they're like wolves in sheep's clothing. Matthew 7, verse 15. Listen to the way the Bible describes evil empires and nations. They're described as beasts who make war, who are violent, who go uh, and against the saints of God. Read Daniel chapter 7. I mean, you just see these, these mutant, awful, beastly creatures. Nations, like animals, they're territorial. They exert their power uh, through violence. And folks, this is why we can't trust governments to, to live the way of God. Jesus, the seed of woman, he came. He finally came. And he, he brought the kingdom of God, a new kingdom, that its principles are opposite of the way nations are run. And listen, nations can do good. They really can. But they're also like people who, who take tigers and lions and bring them into their homes. And, and they seem tame. And then one day they just lash out without warning because they can't be trusted. Watch out for those uh, who do such things. Political parties, there's nothing wrong with voting and, and, and feeling like this, this is good for me and, and how I believe on things. But political parties can appear to look out for the best interest of others. But they also can be just like the snake in the garden. And it leads us to trusting in what they say is right and wrong. And that all that they do and all that they say and all that they promote is right. They're beasts. It's the kingdom of God that we live by. Only when humans humble themselves and they recognize their subordinate role and being images of God will we truly become human and be elevated to this, this glorious role that God wants us to have. Jesus taught that it's the last that will be first in Mark chapter 10 and verse 31. That's a principle that's totally upside down from, from the nation's. Humans allow themselves to be ruled by the snake, and they end up roaming outside of the garden like animals, where relationships are broken, where murder and violence occurs. In fact, we go on in Genesis 4, we go to verse 23, and we see these descendants of Cain. And it comes to verse 23, it talks about Lamech. Lamech says to his wife, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. Your wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. brings us to the next point, especially in our culture today, and that is God hears the cries of the innocent. God hears the cries 
of the innocent. Let's go back, chapter 4, into verse 9. Then the Lord God said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, and now you are a curse from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me away from the ground and from your face. I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who find him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. God hears the cries of the innocent. In our world, we see injustice. We see things, people are murdered and, and they get away with it. Or you never even know who that person may be that murdered them. Or, or people do things that are unjust towards you. And here, what we see is that the creator of life, that human life matters to him. And even if someone is left for dead in the middle of the field, that their very blood cries out. And God says, I hear, I see. He is a just God who brings forth punishment upon those who do evil. And they may not even get their just reward while on this earth, but he is a just God. And they will pay great consequences. But we know that the animal comes out in us sometimes. Maybe we don't kill someone. But even so, we find that we all need mercy and grace. Cain needed mercy and grace. His descendants needed mercy and grace. I need mercy and grace. And I think that's what we find as we close out Genesis 4. He says in verse 25, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel. For Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. This whole purpose is to see the favored line. Cain is showing the line of the beast, the seed of the snake. And we see uh, this what happens when we give in to that, that seed. But here, the favored one is Abel. He's the one that is going to continue on and to bring God and will eventually bring the seed of woman that will be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. You see, Cain was never left out. It's just that favor. We need to see that God had a plan that he just couldn't see. And why we need to be careful when we feel like, you know what? Life isn't fair. God is here. It's the line of the seed of woman. That no matter how much we mess up in life, that the Son of God can bring us back to the 
back from the east. The east, you'll see this as you go. It's, it's, the east is going away from the garden, away from God's presence. But here we see that we can come back from the east and be in God's presence. That in Christ, we can rule the beast within with the help of the Spirit of God that now comes and indwells his people. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 12, Paul's talking to these Christians and he says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Now that doesn't mean that we're no longer tempted to, to uh, you know, to answer the beast within, but we're warned about it. Peter warns the Christians in 1 Peter chapter 5, 8, and 9. Listen to the language. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. He says, be sober-minded. That means to be self-control. Control the beast, to be alert, to be watchful. Resist the beast because sin is crouching at the door. I want to go to 1 John chapter 3. Go ahead, go ahead and turn here as we get ready to close this morning. In 1 John chapter 3, he is talking about the children of God and the children of the devil. Does that sound familiar to Genesis 3.15 at all? So verse 7 in chapter 3, he says, Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practice righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. And this is evident, who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil, who does not practice um, righteousness, is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Folks, this is Genesis, this is Genesis 3 and 4. John says that the seed of woman has come and has crushed the head of the seed of the snake. That we have victory over sin and death and that we have a choice. And listen to the way he goes on in verses 11 and 12. He says, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of, e who was of the evil one. You see, the, the, that's the animal. He murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because of his own deeds were evil and his brothers righteous. Those who give in to sin, they allow themselves to go back to the seed of the snake. We become its very nature that we see in Cain. But there's a different seed that has come. It's the seed of the Son of God. And now we can receive this gift. It, it, it's the story of Jesus. And now we can take on the nature of God. 
and it's displayed. You want to know, how do I know if I let the beast come out? One of the ways is, do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ? We're in a very trying time in our country right now. More than any that I've been a part of in my 49 years on earth. And this is a time we're going to see. It's a real test for Christians. Who really loves their brothers and sisters in Christ? How do we respond in a moment such as this? Do we disappear? Or do we become a part of what the church is about? About what Jesus is about? See, that's where we are. We're going to see ourselves being tested in this time to see if we're going to allow these emotions of everything going out if we allow the beast within. And there may be moments that we do, but we still have a choice. And our choice is to do the will of God over what we believe is right and wrong based on our emotions in the moment. Sin is crouching at the door. It always has. But we've been called to rule the beast, to live in God's image. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy to us. Father, too many times, we, me, I have allowed this beast to come out and and to do things that are sinful and wrong and lashing out and, and not acting in a way that is pleasing to you. And Father, I just pray that, that you be with all of us, that we are aware of this continual animal instinct that is within us, this, this um, very form of evil and temptation. And Father, I just thank you for this new nature that we have in you, that we can love you and we can love each other in ways that we never even imagined. And I'm seeing this happening every day, every week. I see it with the people in this church and I see it with people, uh, other people that I know and even some that I don't know. And I, I'm watching them and I see how they're allowing this time to be one that your nature just rises up and loves people and cares for them and shares and, and does those things, Father, that you would have us to do. Oh, Father, bring us all back together soon. May our time of testing be over. But, Father, please be with us, your spirit within us, to do what is your will over our own. And Father, I just pray a special prayer for those in this church who are hurting and suffering in some way or another. People in our world, I just pray for them. No matter what it may be, just be with them this day. Thank you, Father, for the gift of your Son. Thank you, Father, for the hope of eternal life. Thank you, Father, that there's something greater that is beyond this world. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.